This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. I am a force for good. I am a force for courage. And for calm. I am a force for safety. For fairness. For leadership. I am a force for the future. For compassion. For my community. I am a police officer. And I am a force for all. Be one of the 20,000 new police officers and be a force for all that you believe in. Search Join the Police. This programme was previously broadcast live on Love Sport Radio, so some items may be out of date. For more podcasts or to listen live, visit lovesportradio.com. You are listening to the Crystal Palace Fan Show on Love Sport Radio with me, Charlie Hawkins, and I'm joined in the studio with the Back of the Nest podcast. I say Back of the Nest podcast, just DR yeah. Kernaz <laughs> representing tonight, flying the flag high for those Eagles. Tonight, we will, of course, be talking only if short, because I know it might hurt DR. <laughs> we have to talk about that Spurs game, 4-0 to Spurs, raced into that start in the first half. We'll be talking a, bit, a little bit about player unrest at the club in that dressing room, especially after that defeat. Steve Parrish's comments that Zaha deserves to play for a top club. How do the fans feel about that? We will have a guest, Max Matthews, telling us what he thinks and what Palace are going through. And also the opposition preview from Sam, who does the Wolves 77 podcast. We will be turning our attentions to that game. But DR, we have to start at the tragedy. That's what I'm labelling it. The tragedy on the weekend to Tottenham because... Where do we begin? What went wrong? Was it the international break? Was it Roy Hodgson's tactics? Was Spurs simply too good? How do we begin to get over this one? I've always, um, well, I've criticised Roy Hodgson a lot in the past. But if you actually look at the game and the goals that we conceded, yes, Roy Hodgson does play a part in terms of the tactics, which we'll talk about more in in detail in a second. But if you look at the four goals that we conceded, it was just down to defensive errors. And it was mainly down to the players. It was just... You know, Sacco, the first goal, you look at it, Sacco, it's just a huge misjudgment. He hasn't played since, I believe, February, so he's coming back his first game. But even that, you, there's no excuse for that. And then the second goal, the first, every, everything, it starts from the right back to the left back. I think the only person there, the best player, the best defender was probably Gary Cahill. But even that, like, he was just so poor from the whole back line and it just seemed like they had no no real identity there well there's so many questions hopefully well there's so many questions not enough answers so hopefully we're going to get to the bottom of it on this show but Theo you just mentioned Sacco then not started since February why is he starting in a game like this away to Spurs after the international break when Palace are on that good run we know how frightening Spurs can be going forward we can't pull it all on each door but why has Roy started him in a game of this magnitude I mean if you're looking at it before the game I had no problems with it mm. because it's easy well, to point yeah, fingers yeah, off. Yeah, exactly. Because we, we're we not in the League Cup, so he can't build up match fitness there. So he has to play a Premier League game. And if he's fit enough to play the 90 minutes, which he was, then just put him out there and just keep building his fitness like that by him actually playing. And I think it was 
the right call by Roy Hodgson. And people even were saying at halftime, maybe take off Sacco. But it's not. that's not the point. The point is to make Sacco get fit again. Because when he's fit, he's our best defender, I think. He's better than Gary Cahill and the rest. So it's just one of them games where you could see that he hasn't played for months. And as the games go on, I believe that he will reach back to the form that he was before and he'll be our best defender and he can play out from the back which at times we have missed uh, with our current back line because none of them really could well we're talking about the disaster on the weekend Crystal Palace away to Spurs just quickly do you agree that Sacco is Palace's best defender DI is saying that you can call us 0208 70 20 558 tweet us at Love Sport Radio let's carry on talking about yeah. the disaster <laughs> I know it's painful DR but where has this result come from in terms that we know everyone can have an off day? Roy Hudson afterwards simply putting this defeat down to an off day. He said everyone has a bad day at the office. There's no rhyme or reason why. We just wasn't at the races today. Spurs were the better team. We'll take it. We'll move on. We go on to next week. But what is difficult is when Palace fans just started to feel a little bit excited. Great win against Man United up at Old Trafford. Got the home win against Aston Villa. Where did this come from? Maybe was it that international break? Because the momentum was completely with the Eagles, wasn't it? You've had that 10 days off. You come back. This was a performance maybe you was expecting before those two wins. You know what? Going into the game, I actually... You it were might, confident. Yeah, it might sound crazy, but I was expecting at least a point. because this of, is why because, we were shocked. Yeah, yeah because... You look at Tottenham this season, they lost Newcastle at home and they're still settling in at their new ground and they're not 100% there yet. So my idea was that, oh, we're on a high. We had international break, so Sacco's coming back and he's had a bit of time to train with the guys. And everything was working in our favour. But if you actually look at the performances, and I don't... It's so hard, but look at Joel Wood, for instance. People, you know, he's had a good start to the season, but even before the season started, I always worried that... He's going to be a liability because he can't attack. In modern day football, you need to be able to be an offensive threat as a fullback as well as a defend. But he can't do both of them really. And you saw it. And it's like with Patrick Van Aanholt, similar thing where we've talked about him for God knows how long now. And he's just awareness. He just switches off so quickly. And the small cracks there. And that's why I'm not putting the blame fully on Roy Hodgson because you look at the board. They, they knew that we needed another right back because Joel Wood hasn't drastically changed all of a sudden. Joel Wood was like this even when Wan-Bissaka was at the club. And the left-back position is arguable. Uh, you know, you can debate it. Do we, do we really need the left-back? But we at least need a new right-back. And what can Roy do when you li- literally have no other options? And we saw that with Van Hanot last season, for instance, where Schlupp's not a left-back and the players are not worried about losing their position. And sometimes I think that can affect their performances as well. I think... One of the reasons we were so blindsided by this victory was obviously, A, the two brilliant results and victories from Crystal Palace in those last two games. But another one, this isn't a performance and maybe a result you expect from a Roy Hodgson side because we know Harry plays it away from home, very cautious, then in the second half, maybe try to grab something, keep it tight. Okay, you can always concede. Any team in the Premier League or any team in football can concede at any minute. That can happen. It doesn't matter who you are, especially if you are having an off day. But what the shock was, and I was watching it, 1-0, 2-0, 3-0, the same mistakes all in the first half. This is uncharacteristic from a Roy Hodgson side. For me, DR, maybe, I mean, you're going to know, you, you watch every mm. minute. Where was the leadership? And you mentioned it there. Why was the player switching off? And where was the snap back into action after the go- after conceding? No one, no one really, we couldn't get it going after going 1 or 2-0 down, could they? Yeah, I think it's... it's- like sometimes people forget that footballers are still humans and mm. after you concede three goals in 25 minutes I think it's just a mental toll like they didn't want yeah, to be there exactly and you could see it it's just you're not in a game you're away from home and normally we're way better away from home and that's why I was actually had some look, confidence yeah I was looking forward to the game as well because it's like yes it's Tottenham away from home but you look at our away form that's where we actually do get the points but you look at the players performances on the pitch only I think Wilfred Zaha he seemed to put himself out there there was you know no one really was up for it and I think the human element side of the things came up and it's just there weren't you know a 3-0 down and they just it just drained them really conceding that that many goals that early because we've been a good defensive side under Roy Hodgson and even this season I think before the game we only conceded two goals two goals in four games exactly. brilliant yeah. and then we conceded four, <laughs> four. goals in about Double. yeah in like 30 minutes yeah. so 
I think it shocked the players and I think that's the reason why you saw them slack a bit whereas normally they would try to put themselves forward. I have to give you credit DR because you're always talking about the players and saying look there's a human side of things mm. you know errors happen this is football it's life you know you, we can't jump straight on their backs and you and that's true but for the fans and not just the paying fans fans all over whatever team I get it I understand when you're 3-4-0 down you think look this game is lost no matter how hard we try it's going to be another long second half we've already had 45 minutes and we're 4-0 down I completely understand it I don't want to be a hypocrite mm. but for the fans who are watching and who have paid to be there there's no excuse to really sort of pack it up and give it up for 45 minutes and accept that cement uh game over because you mentioned it takes that mental toll it's draining it's exhausting it is but they are paid and trained to do this this is football game you have to still fight for that 90 minutes who was showing something for that rest because places are at stake you know because that team don't want to put in that performance again surely not but that's the thing you say places are at stake but you look at Van Aanholt is he going to really lose his place? And who too? Jairo Riederwald, who's mm. not... He's, Roy won't start my left back and he's not a outright left back. And then you look at Joe Ward, who's he losing his place to? And that's why I think you see it over the long run. Maybe next week again, we'll talk about Wolves later on, but maybe next week against Wolves, Joe Ward does have a crack and so does Van Aanholt. But at times when they do have these performances, you think about you being in that position. Oh, I'm not going to lose my spot. So I don't... It sounds crazy, but some players can have that mentality that I don't need to give 100% because, oh, well, I'm going to start next week anyways. So how can you blame them if there's no competition? You have to put competition there. Now, I'm not saying, oh, yeah, there's no competition, so they're right to slack. No, that's not right. But I'm, what I'm saying is just that you always have that thought when you're 2-0 down, you're like, oh, I had a bad performance. Oh, wait, next week I'll start anyways because no one can play there. Is this the root of the problem then? Because it's very interesting what you're saying now and I think you're completely right. Is complacency the issue here? Because if you know no one's behind you, now we know how vital in football it is for you to have someone to compete with, you know, because, right, if I don't put in a decent performance here... He's on my back. He's playing next week, you know. He's right on my tail. I have to be good here because the manager might throw him in. If no one there behind you, good, bad, indifferent, mediocre, I'm starting next week. It's not good enough for a footballer to know I can change it next week because, they're, yes, there are 38 weeks in the season, but they can go very quickly if you're not playing well. I think, yeah, it does play a part. And it's not only... Um... Joe Wood and Patrick Van Arnold perhaps Roy does have his favourites and we've talked about it um, before such as Jeffrey Slup who he started consistently last season regardless of how good or how bad he plays and also James McArthur as well and you look at our bench and we was actually talking about this on our own podcast where Roy he's got players on his bench but we know that he's not going to give them a go because he doesn't trust them and that's what's bad on Roy's side as well I feel like there's players in the squad that he just doesn't trust and it doesn't motivate them. If if you know that your manager's not going to put you on, then why would you give you a hundred percent? And that's players like Camarasa, which even though it's early days, he's been left out of the squad a couple of times. Jairo Readerboard, I already know about everyone knows about that. He's he doesn't really have a future at Palace unless the whole squad basically gets injured and he's the only player that's available. There's players out there, and Max Meyer, another one, where he's it seems like he's not going to get the chance as well and it's clear Roy doesn't he doesn't favor them for whatever reason and it doesn't help the squad as well because there are actually players there for depth especially in midfield but you know is Roy going to realistically play them I doubt it it's very difficult to shift players that you don't want at the club. You don't see their future there. It's hard to trim that fat, get rid of the deadwood, especially if you're playing them good wages and teams know you don't want them, so they want it at a cut price or they don't want to pay them as much. The player equally doesn't want to move on. Why am I going to sit here and take 50, 60 grand and someone's offering me 30 grand, for example, purposes? But if Roy doesn't trust these players, he doesn't have faith DR, mm. why hasn't he moved on sooner? Why why are they not being replaced? Other players brought in. I know there could be a balance in the books. Finances always are the root of these questions. So it may sound like a daft one. But is it a bit ridiculous that if Roy doesn't trust them, he's been at the club a few seasons now. He yeah. knows what players he trusts and he doesn't trust. Why have we not moved on from them? I think one player that I could say that it's a bit confusing the gyro reader world because Roy's been here two years and he's been he's been coached by Roy for the whole two seasons and he it's clear that Roy doesn't like him and every time there's a transfer window I just don't see much interest from him and it's a bit weird because Jairo Reedwood before coming to Palace he was playing for Ajax and he was playing in the Europa League 
So I feel like players' reputations has been damaged um, by Roy not actually giving them a chance, and people have actually forgot about them. So it's it's hard. But Max Meyer is is another player which is which is confusing because he's had his good games and he's had his bad games, but it's not it's not easy to move on players like that because they're on higher wages as well. A very interesting debate here. Talking everything about the Eagles, you can get involved. Tweet at Love Sport Radio or call on 0208 70 258. Talking of player reputations, next we might be someone. Has the damage been done? Was he? Will he? Won't he? Well, we did state it was Zaha. We're talking about those Steve Parrish comments next. For the fans, by the fans, Love Sport Radio. You are listening to the Crystal Palace Fan Show on Love Sport Radio with me, Charlie Hawkins, and I'm joined by back of the nest, sole representative tonight, <laughs> DR Kernas. Of course, we were talking about that disappointing 4-0 defeat against Spurs on the weekend. I just want to quickly say Spurs, I speak to them on, they have a fan show, Love Sport Radio, every Thursday, 7 to 9. You can tune in if you're a Spurs fan. One of the things they said was crucial to getting the win against Crystal Palace. We had to start fast. They did four goals, obviously, in the first half. I don't think they they meant to that extreme, but boy, did they start fast. We were talking the reasons why. There are so many questions, DR. We haven't got all the answers. We were just talking about the player side of things, the performance. Was it the international break? Did that hinder him? Let's talk about Roy Hodgson mm. then, because a lot of people questioning him as a manager. Is he the one to lead Palace to that next step? Have have they peaked under him? Some people questioning the tactics. What do you make of Roy Hodgson's tactics from the weekend? I think, yeah, we lost 4-0 and you can go and blame the tactics. But before the game, it made perfect sense because the tactics that we've approached um, all under Roy Hodgson for the past two one on two seasons has worked away from home and it's just sitting back and hitting Tottenham on the counter attack and no one was surprised that we started the game like that and I I've criticized Roy a lot and I've, I'll say this I'll admit this but I'm not blaming the result on Roy Hodgson because the, he's put the group out there and I understand his approach because that approach has worked before so I don't get why people are coming and saying Oh, it's Roy Hodgson's fault. Yeah, it's good to say that after four 0 defeat, but you know, if we actually, if the players did actually know how to defend <laughs> and and f- realize that they were actually footballers and they concede silly goals, then you never know. We might have grabbed a one 0 um, one 0 result if Saka didn't if Saka didn't um, lose that lose Son and would buy that easy mistake. Then maybe it will be nil nil, and no, who knows what happened later in the game. I don't. I just don't buy into it. Um, that people are blaming Roy Hodgson for this game. I'll I'll blame him if it was his fault, but I just don't see it like that because he's. I thought he actually by selecting Andrews Townsend in there with Jeffrey Schlupp and Wilfred Zaha, he's he actually took risks. And we've talked about Roy Hodgson not taking risks. He he decided to go with pace rather than putting James McCarthy, um, in for McArthur, and he decided to go with Jeffrey Schlupp in midfield. And I think I'll, I understand his his decisions and I don't think you know sometimes it's not going to work of course but I'm not blaming him I come Dio you're such a fair person because you you know you never get too high you never get too <laughs> low you try to look at it from all angles yeah. but I completely buy why people are disappointed with Roy and his tactic selection because I know it's not Crystal Palace on the weekend obviously Man City tasted defeat to Norwich people were ringing in saying Pep has peaked with Man City he's taken them as far as he can they wanted him out and they wanted Jurgen Klopp in this is City fans yeah. now if they can say this about Pep Guardiola no disrespect to Roy Hudson mm. I can understand why they're questioning but is it I know it's human nature as fans you know because as soon as there is a defeat we see it clickbait stories players unrest in the club we're going to talk about it it's Roy's fault Roy out because as soon as there is a defeat we do need a finger to point and a finger to blame now it's not always the case because Roy has said this is you know a day a bad day at the office we move on is it simply a bad day at the office because you're saying it's not the international break it's not tactics we just was not at the races I think as um as I when the show first started, I do think it was not like the tactics were hundred percent perfect. Um, we gave too much respect to Tottenham centre backs, and I feel like they changed the game and um, really with their passing, and also the midfield. Um, it's just hard. I don't think Roy went out there and said, "Oh, leave gaps for Tottenham midfielders to go and get the ball." That's what I'm saying. It's not it's not as simple as that. I feel like the only tactical mistake that I really saw was us not closing down Tottenham defenders because from the get go. We knew, like, it was obvious that they're going to cause massive trouble because they're 
they keep finding the passing lanes and they keep making the passes for them to go in behind. And that's what he could have done. Roy's not known for adapting really during the game. And that's really the downside. Maybe if he changed that and we didn't give too much time to them, then they wouldn't be able to run through us that easily. That's the only thing, really. That's the only thing that I could point out. And also, Andros Townsend starting on the left-hand side. We know that under Pardew, Andros didn't want to play on the left-hand side. So that was questionable as well. But I understand it because Andros has the pace and he decided to go with the pace rather than putting an actual player there who, who, who belongs to that position. Well, maybe Spurs were simply too good. We're trying to get answers from that defeat. Let's talk now because obviously when a defeat comes like this, we do see the clickbait headlines. What's going wrong at Palace? Here we are. We're trying to decipher it. Let's talk now because one of the headlines from the game was player unrest at the club. You know, we've heard maybe there was a few uh, uh, shouting matches, arguments in the dressing room. And I see it as... I hope there was because yeah. I don't want no one to be pleased about that performance. We should be, uh, you know, flags should be raised, questions should be asked. You know, we want to put this right. Let's work on it at the training ground. But is there is is it just the the player unrest at that defeat, or could that be uh, maybe an underlining cause of a problem here at Palace DR, where maybe a few players are unhappy with maybe Roy's system or with the way things are going. It's a bit weird because when players actually talk about Roy Hodgson, I know they're not going to go and say, oh, I don't I don't want mm. to play for Roy Hodgson, but they always have positive comments and it always confuses me because the type of football that we play and the type of footballers that we got, I feel like the system doesn't suit their style of play. So it's a bit confusing. Um, but with the players, if they had an argument in the dressing room after the game, that's, as you said, that's what you want to see because we've, People have criticised the players for not being enough passionate and that just shows the right passion. But, I mean, if if Roy Hodgson lost the players in the dressing room, um, I feel like it would have happened way a, t- a time ago. It wouldn't happen now. He's been at the club for two seasons and it's like we've got the same, basically the same squad and the same type of players. So I'm not really that worried about players actually losing faith in Roy Hodgson. But that's what you want to see, though, um, if it is true. Passion. Because yeah. because on the pitch we didn't we didn't really see that and people were looking at um, one player Luka Milivojevic and I was asking him to be actually get dropped and he's our captain out there so it's it's a bit confusing I have to admit it is but one player that um, that I think we should talk about uh, is Zaha because he's actually got rid of his agent and uh, Raya Loli I can't pronounce his name mm. but the one that um, whose agent. Uh, Paul Pogba's. Yeah, um, he works with Mourinho very yeah, closely. Yeah, and apparently he's interested in getting Zaha under his books. And I feel like if that happens, and that could be a game changer for us and for Zaha because I could see him leaving. And maybe is that playing in his mind as well for Zaha? He hasn't got to move on. He's left his agent. So things are still going on behind the scenes. And he's our star player, so... I don't know if that's impacting his game. Well, that brings us to our next point. Firstly, I do agree with what you say. You have to see that passion because, mm. you know, if players should want to turn that, that bad result into a good one, turn that negative into a positive. Hopefully they will. They do face Wolves on the weekend. We'll have the opposition preview for that coming up later. Let's talk about Zaha now because, you know, obviously on this show, it was a running theme. Will he stay? Will he go? Zaha, he did end up staying. He got a good reception by the Palace fans. A few strange things have happened in the last mm. days, a uh, few days, sorry. One, he has changed his agent. Is that because maybe he was disappointed that that agent didn't get him the move? We can only speculate. Does he want to move in January or at the end of the year? But also, Steve Parrish has come out and said that Zaha deserves to be playing for a top club. Now, we know Zaha wants to play for a top club, wants to play in Europe. Palace fans wouldn't ever not say that that was true or deny him that. But is it a strange one for Palace fans to hear it that you're saying about this? You're, you're sort of saying, oh, well, Zaha should go. It's a strange one because then he didn't grant him, grant him the move. When you saw this, what did you think of what Steve Parrish had to say? I think it's more, um, I like what he actually said because after um, the transfer deadline day, Roy Hodgson did say that there, there's beef between Steve Parrish and Wilfred Zaha. Beef, I love it. Yeah, exactly. That's what he said. <laughs> That's not what it was. <laughs> he said there's beef. So, Ray, uh, Roy, it always seems like behind the scenes, Steve Parrish and Zaha's got along very well. And that was one bit where I got a bit, I was looking at it and I was like, is this going to cause us problems? Because Steve Parrish and Zaha, if they've lost their trust, could this impact Zaha's play on the field? But he says the right things. And, I stand with Steve Parrish and not selling Zaha for how much Everton actually bid in for because 
the real the reports that came out after suggest that Everton only bid put in two bids and the highest was around 50 million and Zaha as we said he's worth way more to Crystal Palace than 50 million so I feel like Steve Parrish has made the right comments and if Zaha does end up getting that super mega agent in Mino Ray Loli I feel like he would get that move to a big club and he deserves it as well I think he's at his peak and Palace have to look at it this way as well where we can't value Zaha for 70 to 80 million forever and he's 26 turning to 27 or uh, yeah so is this is I think two three seasons is the max that we can his, his value is going to be and if we were going to sell him, I'd rather we sell him then, um, then later. So, seventy. If even if we could get sixty million at push, I'd rather mm. sell him for sixty million because I feel like his value is going to drastically drop. Well, if he does join that super agent, Mina Raiola, I think it is. Yeah, Who knows? I we could yeah. be wrong. He's a super agent. He can pronounce it whatever <laughs> way he wants. I think it's Mina Raiola. Uh, he is a super agent. Zaha clearly with him. I know Steve Parrish. Look, let's as much as me and you, we're fans. We we. You know, we ha- we don't like to admit this. Mm. Football is a business. Yeah. He is worth more than fifty million. He's certainly worth more than fifty million to where Palace are c- uh, concerned. Wan Bissaka went for fifty. Zaha, we know of his talent. We know of his ability. We know Harry's done it for uh, a number yeah. of seasons. But is this a case of a? This helps actually to keep Zaha's move because Steve Parrish can play the card of Wilf. I understand that you should be playing for a top club. I just want a bit more for you, and I let you go. And so we'll. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com like oh well it's not Steve Parrish's fault he he wasn't helping me trying to get a move he shouldn't help me you know Palace are his only concern he's very clever in that regard but does it sort of seem like maybe that it, Steve will try to help him you speak of that friendship is that worrying because he should be trying to help him to stay not rather maybe trying to help him get that move but then Zaz reached a stage where he has given a lot to Palace and it'll be harsh I understand it's a business side of things but if if a team does come 70 to 80 million I think that is a good amount of money to start a rebuild. And it's harsh on Wilfred Zaha as well. If a player doesn't want to be at the club, then yeah, there's no point keeping him because he's not going to he's not going to perform at 100%. But I feel like Zaha needs to help himself as well. His performances will only attract other clubs. Well, this is it, Dio. I was going to interrupt and you took the words from my mm. mouth. If he doesn't perform this year or he's not happy, you said, you know, he needs to perform on the field, he won't get that 70 to 80 million. If he doesn't have a great year... Palace aren't getting 70 to 80 million. That's a fact. Uh, yeah, exactly. But Steve Parrish has said the right words. So Steve Parrish can go to Wilfred Zaha and say that, look, yeah. Wilf, you're not, you just didn't perform up to the level that you should. And teams are not coming coming to pay you uh, 70 to 80 million for you. So I think it's a win-win. Steve Parrish said the right words. And now it's up to Wilfred Zaha to put the performances on the field. And if he does, then I'm not that worried about teams actually coming for 70 to 80 million. But right now, as it stands, it's still only four or five games into the season. But... He hasn't really shown it so far. Again, I thought this would be a saga we wouldn't speak about <laughs> until January. We're already covering it, me and DR. Well, he has joined it, Mino Raiola, super agent. Steve Parrish's comments today that he should be playing for a top club. That was DR's opinion. Next, we're going to be talking to another special guest and see what he thinks all about the Eagles. Giving your team a voice. Love Sport Radio. 
You are listening to the Palace Fan Show on Love Sport Radio with me, Charlie Hawkins. I'm joining the studio with the Back of the Nest podcast. Me and Dr. Kernaz putting everything right where the Eagles are concerned. So many questions, so little answers. Of course, we were talking about the disappointing 4-0 defeat to London rival Spurs. A little bit later, we will be looking at that Wolves game where hopefully Palace can bounce back. But now, though, I'm delighted to say we're talking to Max Matthews on the line. Max Matthews, Love Sport's very own and super Eagles fan. Max, thank you for giving us a little bit of your time tonight. Uh, disappointing, you know, Spurs 4-0, we were just talking, me and DR, was it the international break? Was it Roy Hodgson's tactics or were Spurs simply too good? What are your thoughts? Hi guys, uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, honestly, I think we were, um, I think we were, we were just pretty, we were pretty weak, but you can't take any credit away from Spurs. Um, often when a team has a big win, you focus on, on the losing team, but Honestly, I don't think it was that lacklustre a performance from us. I think Spurs were just really, really strong. Hi, Max. Some people were suggesting that uh, Roy, Roy Hodgson should have took off Sacco at half-time. What do you make of that? Do you think he should have, or do you understand the point that he's lacking match fitness and it's, the game is already done, so it's better to play him and to build I, yeah, up that I think, I think what you said there is exactly right. I think, ultimately, Hodgson had resigned himself to the fact that, we, that we'd lost at half-time and it was an exercise in getting him up to full fitness. And I do understand that to an extent, because if you, if you take him off at half-time, then if he starts the next game, you could, you, could, you, know, you, you could be writing that one off as well if he's short of match fitness. So I'd much rather play the 90 against Spurs and hopefully we'll be in the best condition for the next match. Why was it a lacklustre performance, Max, in your eyes? Because, you know, after, before the international break, sorry, Palace had two fantastic wins up at Man United, beating Aston Villa at home, then this. This was sort of came out of nowhere a little bit, didn't it? They didn't build on that momentum before the international break. Yeah, but that is, that is classic Palace. You know, before, before we beat uh, Man United at Old Trafford, we, we had our worst performance of the season, arguably, against Sheffield United, and we made an ordinary team look really good. So we do tend to go up and down. But um, I think that there have been hints that, we, that, we, that we're a little bit weak defensively. Um, Joel Ward is obviously not the player that Wan-Bissaka is. I think Hodgson has made it clear he wanted a right-back over the summer, and he didn't get one. Patrick Van Aanholt, for me, I've said before on this show, he is not a Premier League standard defender. He's a good left midfielder or left winger, but he is um, he's a little bit lacking defensively. And you saw that a lot of the goals came from Aurier down that right side. We're actually having this debate um, between Roy Hodgson and the players and he was to blame. So do you go with the side that Roy Hodgson didn't really have any other options and he just put the best options out there? And if you actually look at the goals, uh, you mentioned Joe Ward and Patrick Van Aanholt. What could Roy do about them not being able to defend? And the thing is that we haven't got any other options there. Yeah, I agree. I don't blame Hodgson for that. I think it's, um, I, I just think it's a, a lack of depth in the squad. And ultimately, Hodgson you know, said at the beginning of the summer he wanted to strengthen the squad. But he wasn't able to do that. And I do understand you can't be you know, financially unsustainable. You can't go splashing millions and millions every time, especially for a team like Palace. But I think that we really could have done with full-back cover for the, you know, for the reasons I've given. Max, is there an element we were saying earlier on the show that because the players maybe don't have that competition, there isn't that squad depth, they can become a little bit complacent, you know, because they know, regardless of the result and the performance, even if they are professionals, they're more than likely going to be in the lineup next week? Yeah, that can definitely creep into the mindset. I know that Patrick Van Aanholt, for example, we haven't had a, a left-back cover for, you know, about four years, really, because Suarez was never match fit. And he knows he's going to play regardless. So I'm sure um, whether it's a deliberate decision or whether it just kind of creeps in without you noticing, I'm sure that does affect the mentality. What do you make of the comments from Steve Parrish um, on Zaha? He, he, he said that he deserves to play for a top club. Do you think that was the right move from him? Uh, I, think, I, think you have to, I think you have to admit um, that Zaha is too big a fish in our small pond, as much as it pains me to admit it. I think, you know, he is outgrowing the club and he probably does deserve it. You know, he's worked hard enough. I'd love to keep him forever, but A, you know, he deserves it himself personally for, from everything he's given us. And also B, I think it will get to the point where he won't want to play for us anymore. And I'm not saying he hasn't been trying. Of course, he's a professional and he's, and you know, he's tied to Palace. This is his boyhood club. 
um, we brought him up. So it's not going to be an Arnautovic or Payet-style situation at West Ham. He's never going to refuse to play. But he has been off-colour this season. And I think ultimately that's because his mind might be elsewhere. And therefore it's the best decision to sell him and um, get the money we can and find someone to replace him. But that's the thing, though. Um you you said it, he's been off color this season. It doesn't it doesn't help his cause that he hasn't played up to his standards because we're we're rightly accepting we're we're rightly demanding seventy to eighty million because that's how much he's worth to us. But if Zaha doesn't play up to them standards, then it doesn't help him or it doesn't help us. So I I feel like he just needs to up his game a bit more and leave the off field stuff behind because it seems like there's just even this week leaving his um, leaving his agent. It just there's so much drama since the summer that he he hasn't helped him one bit. Yeah, I don't think it has helped him. To be fair though, I will say that it's not for for lack of trying. You know, you saw that on the weekend he was the joint most fouled any Premier League player has ever been against Tottenham, and that is symptomatic of every single other team in the Premier League just taking him out whenever whenever they get the chance because they know he's our best player and it's really difficult for for the team to combat that because every time it's not quite a yellow card on the free kick um, but it's enough that when it's different players they cycle it around so no one gets booked um, but it's enough to stop him every time you know he's picking up knocks he's getting frustrated and you know you can understand how it affects him in that way. Max, Roy said that it was a bad day at the office, a complete off day. They're putting it in the rearview mirror. They're moving on to the next week. Palace have to see it as that because maybe there isn't answers or the explanation we needed. It was just an off day completely. It is Wolves on the weekend. They haven't made the greatest start. We're going to be doing a preview of that game next. But with that 4-0 still fresh in your mind, how are you feeling ahead of this weekend? I'm not feeling particularly optimistic, but honestly, I never go into a Palace game thinking we're going to win, ever, ever, ever. <laughs> I, you know, I hope for a win, of course, um, but even you know, when we play League Two teams in the Cup, I think, oh, we're going to put our rubbish team, they're going to they're gonna do a job on us, like Colchester did uh, in the League Cup this season. Against big teams, I think, oh, well, they've got the players, they're going to beat us. Uh, against smaller teams... I think, oh, we're expected to win, and that's the kind of environment where we never do well. Um, so I don't want to sound too negative, but uh, I'm, I'm not sure that we, can, that we can do well. Realistically, do you actually see Roy Hodgson making that many changes? Because we know that he likes his group of players and that he doesn't like experimenting a lot. So well, how, do you see this game, how do you see Roy Hodgson approaching this game? It was a 4-0 defeat, and there were some very questionable dis- um performances from a couple of players but do you think that he'll drop some of them or do you think that he'll just trust them and give them another go I think he'll trust them I, I think he'll he'll uh, he'll stay with the same kind of team he is quite a conservative manager we all know that um, I think potentially the only change he might make would be uh, Kuyate Kuyate and he might put in Mikasa uh, he might put in uh, McCarthy and I would like to see Kamarasa personally um, but he likes Schlupp and Townsend because they're you know, defensively willing, hard-working players on the, in the wide channels. Um, Milivojevic and Zaha are undroppable. Ayu's earned his place. And then basically across the back four, we haven't, you know, we've, we've barely got a substitute. So that's going to have to stay the same as well. Max, just very quickly, a score prediction for the weekend? Uh, I'm going to say 2-1 Wolves. 2-1 Wolves. Ah, disappointing. But we appreciate you coming on, Max. Really good to hear from you. Insightful stuff, as always. Max Matthews there, Love Sports' very own. Now, though, we have to focus on the game on the weekend, Wolves. We want to bounce back from that disappointing 4-0. Next to preview the Wolves side of things and give us the Wolves perspective, it is Sam from the Wolves 77 podcast. We'll be talking all about that game next. We've all got one, and we're not afraid to put it on display. Our opinions, that is. Share yours now at Love Sport Radio on Twitter or call us 0208 70 20 558. Love Sport Radio, your fan station. You are listening to the Crystal Palace Fan Show on Love Sport Radio with me, Charlie Hawkins. I'm joined in the studio with the Back of the Nest podcast, the sole representative tonight, Mr. DR Kernaz. Of course, we were looking at that very disappointing 
defeat on the weekend to London rival Spurs 4-0. They started fast out the gates and Palace simply could not keep up with them. We wanted answers. Why? What went wrong? Was it the international break? Was it Roy Hodgson's tactics or was Spurs simply too good? We just heard from Max Matthews there, but never mind. A bad day at the office. We're putting it behind us. Now we turn our attentions to the game on the weekend. Crystal Palace are playing Wolves. I'm delighted to say joining us on the line now to preview the game and give us the Wolves perspective is Sam from the Wolves 77 podcast. Sam, brilliant to talk to you. Last time I spoke to you was on the Chelsea Fan Show on Love Sport Radio every Friday. Uh, You wasn't quite sure what to make of the game. You said, you know, the European pursuits. Chelsea are mixed in different starts of their league. You fancied Wolves to get the win. Uh, Thanks for coming on uh, in what was a disappointing day. 5-2 going down to Chelsea. Uh, You wasn't expecting that, was you? It was one of those games where we were just terrible. I mean, credit to Chelsea as well, but it seems that, you know, it's one of those where every time they hit the ball, it seemed to go in the back of the net and that we didn't do ourselves any favours for that. Um, but hopefully, hopefully, we can make sure that doesn't happen again when we play another London side at the weekend, which is you guys. <laughs> well, hopefully, uh, Lightning doesn't strike twice. Although in the studio, Sam, obviously, they're hoping it does strike twice. It's a bit of a weird one. We're speaking about Crystal Palace and saying, what went wrong on the weekend? The international break, the tactics, you know, Spurs simply too good. It's a little bit with Wolves at the minute. People may be making, you know, storming a teacup, uh, creating more headlines. Oh, you know, Wolves have started their season very early. They could be doing a Burnley of a couple of seasons ago. European adventures, you know, it's a tough slog to the season. Wolves have had a tough start. Is that it, or is everyone making a meal out of nothing here, Sam? I think it's a bit lazy to blame the Europa League. and it's, Injuries have come at a dif- difficult time, and we're not used to having them. In the championship winning season, we didn't have any injuries, and last year we did really well um, to avoid any serious ones. And we've had a few niggles uh, this time round. But I think it's playing with a small 19, 20-man squad that, that is going to impact you, Europa League, six games in the group stage further down the line. Because I think at this stage of the season, it should help you out a little bit because you're playing competitive football before everybody else sort of gets going. And I think it's more towards the tail end of the season where you've got your burnout. So I don't quite buy it at the moment, but I think the size of the squad that Nuno likes to work with is going to be a problem this season. Hi, Sam. Do you think that it's an advantage for Palace to play you guys now about where you got a Europa League game I believe on Thursday and you've had this Chelsea defeat so do you think it's the right time it's a good time for Palace to actually play you guys? Well, we've started a massive we just recorded our podcast and we had a, a disagreement it split the podcast in half and the, <laughs> the scenario was win the Europa League get relegated or go out of the group stage and stay in the league and half of us were saying that we wanted to Stay in the Premier League, and the others are saying we're in football for trophies. So, and what did you say, Sam? Got, just quickly, where did you where I, did I you on that divide? Stay in the Premier League, stay in the Premier League all day long. That's the most important thing. There's no point in um, you know doing a wig and winning the FA Cup and getting relegated, and then that's 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 it. That's game over. You may as well give up because then I'm going to do anything again. I wouldn't have thought. Um, but the other half were like, no, no, you play football to win trophies. What's the point in finishing seventh for three seasons and you're not going to actually try and win these competitions? So. I think for Palace fans at the moment, it's a great time to play Wolves because they're getting used to the amount of games um, coming thick and fast because some of them are used to playing in the Championship where you know you've got more games in the Premier in, in compared to a Premier League season. If you've got a cup run in there as well, it's going to add add to the games. But because they're coming thick and fast and still looking for that first win, I think psychologically. It's going to start to play on the boys a little bit, I think, because until you get those first three points on the board, you're always in search of it. And then you've got the bigger sides popping up in those fixtures. So, you know, City away is is the first big one that we come up against and you don't think you're going to get much there. Um, So I think I wouldn't call this a must-win sixth game of the season, but I think Palace are the sorts of side that we need to be beating if we're going to comfortably stay in this league. Sam, you mentioned that uh, it's a little bit lazy to blame the European adventure, you know, the Europa League qualification on Wolves' disappointing home form. But obviously, you mentioned it there. Nuno doesn't really like to rotate the side. He plays with the same set of players. You know, obviously, burnout won't happen after six games into a season. But it can be worrying because, you know, you go from one or two games a week to two to three a week, Thursday, Sunday. It's a very hard thing for players to get into that rhythm and momentum, isn't it? I think so. I think it does it, it does have a psychological effect. I think we had, you know, suspensions obviously against Chelsea with 
arguably what is or who is our best defender in Willy Bolly not taking part. And th- there was something about technology this week, which is the first time I've ever heard it, is that Ryan Bennett was actually left out of the entire squad having started Premier League games this season because the computer said that there was a really high chance of him getting a muscle tear. And that's the first time I've ever seen the technology used in that way. So God knows uh, what that means for Sunday. I wish I could tell you, but I think it's going to be a case of your guess is as good as mine. How do you think Palace should actually approach this game um, in order to get a result? Do you think we should go and pressure you guys or have more of a counter-attacking approach? We did really well last season to come away with a 1-0 win. And it was off the back of some really good results. And it was actually around the end of October, I think, last time out, if I remember correctly. But Palace, without being too cliche, it's a difficult place to go, great fan base, and it can be really difficult. So I think if... Palace start on the front foot and play a pressing game and actually get at Wolves, then they've got a real chance of coming away with a win. Because if they play free-flowing attacking football all the time, that's when that plays into Wolves' hands. Because I think as ball players, Wolves edge it. But I think in terms of grit and determination and those sort of ball-winning players, I think that belongs on the Palace side. Sam, I just want to pick up on something you said, you know, you know, it is early. I don't want to say a six pointer, but it's a crucial game because we should be beating these sides if we're not in a relegation battle. And just hearing those words, Wolves in a relegation battle, confuses me because I think of Wolves as a side that play fantastic football, great results against the top six, qualify for the Europa League, great uh, cup final run, relegation, no chance. But are you obviously as a fan keeping your feet on the ground? But, you know, we're still ever realistic, second season up from the Premier League, you hear of that so-called hangover second season syndrome. Are you just, you know, yeah, let's have a European adventure, but we still got to stay up in this league. You know, Wolves are still in that bracket a little bit. Remember, it's not that long ago since double relegation. (laughs) (laughs) uh, You know, down to League One and uh, really in the mire and obviously getting back up into the Championship. A couple of seasons where, you know, there was nothing really happening. This to me now, Wolves and relegation battle and Premier League, so those three things make absolutely perfect sense to me because I've seen it on the other side. You know, A lot of people will um, see attacking football in the Championship and romping home in the Championship as we did. Obviously, seventh last season, FA Cup semi-finalist, we don't like to talk about it, and a European campaign... Yeah, over the last 12 months, those three things don't go together. But I think in the grand scheme of things, of of living memory, they certainly do. We've talked about you guys having a slow start, but have there been any players who's actually performed well um, to the start of the season and that Palace should look out for? Jimenez, for me, um, he is dangerous. He only needs half a chance, usually. Um, The problem is, with him playing for Mexico against Chelsea he landed back in the UK on Thursday morning and and was straight into the side starting the game on Saturday and I think travelling alone that takes that and me anyway let alone playing (laughs) minutes over the two games which is what he did Um, but the other guy that really runs the show it's probably Moutinho and a lot of people have a lot of time for Ruben Neves but he just hasn't been firing on all cylinders he seems to when he's in a poor run of form score an absolute wonder goal and everything gets forgiven and that this season it was against Manchester United I mean absolutely incredible goal but I think if you take away that he's had a very very average start to the season and the one man that makes the most tackles he made the most tackles against Chelsea out of both sides making six uh, he's the one that makes the team tick and when he's on his game so we Sam? Yeah. Oh, sorry. oh, I thought, I thought we lost you there. It, uh, you was halfway through your sentence. Sorry, Sam. Uh, more players, it seems you was you was touching upon. They're racking up the air miles in the Europa League. You you know more air miles. Players now, obviously, for Wolves getting international caps. It's brilliant to see. Unfortunately, Sam, I do have to put you on the spot. I put you on the spot on Friday on the Chelsea show, so I know you're <laughs> good for it. Now I have to do it on the Crystal Palace fan show. <laughs> what is your score prediction for the weekend? Oh, I love it. Um... Be careful, because you remember what happened on Friday, <laughs> I know, obviously. Yeah, I said 3-1 Wolves. Um, <laughs> Do the reverse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you know what? I, I, I think it's difficult, isn't it? 2-1. I think I'm going to go 2-1 Wolves, just because I'm, 
overly optimistic. Right, 2-1 Wolves. You, you took a goal off from last Friday, so you're slightly <laughs> getting yeah. there, uh, Sam. <laughs> uh, absolute pleasure to hear from you. Always a delight to chat to you. I really like it when uh, we get the Wolves perspective. Sam from the Wolves 77 podcast there. He says 2-1. He says Wolves will get the win. It is at Sellers Park. I know Crystal Palace's home form is questionable. DR, yeah. you always remind me of that. <laughs> yeah. I like to think you, uh, Crystal Palace at home are solid. Freudian slip there, sorry. What are your predictions and thoughts ahead of the game? Thoughts on the game first, DR? I think it's going to be a big game on the players' behalf because I've talked. we've talked about how the players didn't perform up to the standards. So they've got a lot to prove um, because lots of fans were left disappointed once again due to lack of effort and just concentration. So it's going to be a massive game on their behalf. But it's going, it's, it's, I think the only positive that I can take is the fact that Wolves do actually have a Europa League game and he, you know, Sam three talk, days later yeah, they play Sam you. talked about the tiredness it, it could take a toll on the players so if we use that to our advantage and pressure them from the get go and do it for the 90 minutes then they could get tired and we could take advantage of that but Am I confident that we'll do that? I'm not too sure because we're it's an odd team, Palace. We do we play counter attacking at home and away from home, and that's why we've actually struggled at home because it hasn't worked in the past. Well, hopefully it can benefit you because it's always tough to play on that Thursday, then play on the Sunday, especially when you come back to the Premier League on a Sunday and you're playing away. They have to travel to London. We know Selhurst Park is a very very tough place mm. to go. We don't know what Palace we're going to get. We never do week in, week out. That's the fun of it and doing this show. What is your score prediction? Uh, my score prediction is 1-0 Palace. Oh, hello. Yeah, 1-0 Palace. And I'm not too sure if it's Zaha or Jordan Ayew, but I could see one of them being on the score sheet as well. Well, again, uh, like Sam, you predicted a Palace win last week. Didn't happen. He, didn't, <laughs> he predicted one for Wolves. It didn't happen. Someone has to be right this time. 1-0 for DR and the back of the Nest boys. This has been the Crystal Palace Fan Show. We hope the Eagles get that win. We see you next week. Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. I need to get to Birmingham in exactly one hour, 22 minutes. But how? A chair? But rocket-powered. Is that a thing? A chair on rockets? On rockets! A big fat rocket fest! Hmm, does sound a little dicey. Okay, how about a nice comfy chair on lovely sturdy wheels? Yeah, on super-fast tracks! Double yeah! And, wait, is it a virgin trainer? I suppose it is. Well, good. I'll do that. Virgin Trains, London to Birmingham in one hour, 22 minutes. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver-assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.